This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You're listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 1st of December, 2023. On Market Day, we'll speak with Omkar Joshi from Opal Capital Management. But first, does Australia have a productivity problem? And to what extent does the work-from-home trend play a part? For more on that, I spoke with Westpac Chief Economist and former RBA Assistant Governor, Lucy Ellis. Lucy Ellis, does Australia have a productivity problem? The world had slow productivity growth in the lead up to the pandemic, including Australia. What we're seeing in Australia at the moment is falling productivity and only Australia and Canada amongst the main nations uh, have experienced that. We think it's a concern, but we do think it will self-correct. Maybe you run through the basics. What is productivity exactly and why is it important? When we think about productivity as individuals, we're really thinking about getting more done with the least amount of effort. Uh, but the way they produce that in national statistics is simply by dividing the total amount of production in the economy by the total number of hours worked in the economy. And the reason that matters for monetary policy is that if productivity is falling, then labour costs are rising faster than they otherwise would, and that may, makes it harder to get inflation down. So how do we accurately measure productivity then? Well, it's very hard to measure productivity accurately across the whole economy. The ABS does a great job, but what they are doing is they're estimating how much production is happening in the whole economy, and that's going to be measured with error. They're also measuring how many hours are being worked by everybody in the economy, and that's going to be measured with error. So they do a really good job, but there's always going to be some uncertainty about what's really going on with productivity across the whole economy. So are there any other ways we can measure productivity? Well, that is the way that productivity is measured, the amount of output you get with a certain amount of input. And so there is no other way to frame it at a whole economy level. But of course, when we translate that to our own experience, we're thinking about making sure we're not doing things that don't need to be done, making sure we're not spending time on low value activities, making sure that our business processes are as efficient as they could be. Uh, they're the sort of things that businesses focus on when they're talking about productivity. And if we do that, and if we everybody gets one to 2% better every year, that's what means having good trend growth in productivity. What about this work from home trend? Do you think that has been a factor in this slowing of productivity? There are a lot of arguments about work from home. Some people say that it's made people more productive. Some people say it's made people less productive. But the important point is the decline in measured productivity in Australia includes industries where you don't have a lot of work from home like construction. So I don't think it's a really big driver of what's going on. 
So can you explain then why the RBA would be concerned about this? Because the RBA has said that it's not really worried about current wages growth as long as it is matched with growth in productivity. I think part of the thing that worries the RBA is they're not really sure why measured productivity in Australia has fallen the way it has and only Canada has seen a similar decline. They're worried that there's something going on that would cause productivity to stay low in Australia and to not increase back to its pre-pandemic trend. If that were to happen, then you wouldn't be able to square inflation running at their 2 to 3% target with wages growth running in the threes. So they're worried that you won't be able to square current levels of wages growth with their inflation target. As long as you have faith that productivity growth is going to pick up, and we think that it will, then they won't have to address that as a problem in terms of rising labour costs. Finally, earlier this week, we saw inflation ease to 4.9% for the year. The RBA meets for the last time this year next week. What do you expect it to do? Our, our expectation is that they won't raise rates in December, but it is still possible that they'll raise rates in February. It's not our core expectation, but we do still think there's a chance that will happen. The Reserve Bank wants to get inflation back to their 2 to 3% target by 2025, and if things are taking longer than that, then they will have to act. Lucy Ellis there, the Chief Economist at Westpac. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market fell today. The S&P ASX 200 down 0.2%, 7,073. For more, I spoke with Omkar Joshi, the Portfolio Manager at Opal Capital Manager. So it really is a bit of a mixed bag. So mostly what's going on is it's a bit of a blow off from what we've seen in the last few days. Obviously, a very strong rally over the last month or so. And so we are just seeing a bit of a down day, very modest and there's really not much to read into it, to be honest. Now, it's despite, though, a late rally in the US. What's interesting there is that the Dow is at a 2023 high. What's driving sentiment there? Yes, yeah, so the sentiment did really get stretched to the negative side about a month ago. So we saw yields rapidly rise in the US, and that really did weigh on equity markets. And now what we've seen in the last month through November is really a flip side of that, where we saw yields rapidly decline. So the US 10 years had pushed to about 5%. That declined to about 430, 440 right now, and that has led to a surge again in equity market optimism and sentiment. And that's really what we've seen across the board, both in the US and in Australia. From my understanding, too, there seems to be this narrowing of expectations of the interest rate differential between um, Australia and the US. Um, the Reserve Bank meets next week. What, what, are, what are the markets expecting will happen? So the market's expecting no change next week. So it's a very modest chance of an increase. We're talking single digits, so effectively close to zero. And it, it does probably make sense that the RBA doesn't do anything next week and waits until its next meeting early next year to see what actually happens post-Christmas and also the impact of the rate increase that they put through last month. Over the past few days, we've been talking a lot about this delayed OPEC Plus meeting and the implications it will have. Um, can, can you run us through what actually happened overnight and if indeed there was any reaction? Sure. So we did see some more voluntary cuts come through and initially we did see oil actually surge and then we saw it actually sell off quite significantly off the back of that. But I think the real issue that happened there was that we have seen higher supply and higher inventories coming through in oil at the moment. And given that there is a fair bit of spare capacity in that market, it does mean that any of the cuts coming through are going to be harder to really bring in. And it is a voluntary cut. It's temporary. 
and it does mean that oil prices are probably going to have a bit more downside skew or downside pressure, if anything. And so that, that's really what we saw there. Bit of a whipsaw, early rally, followed by a sell-off after that. Finally, uh, opportunities for investors, what are they at the moment? But I think in this market where it is choppy and, it, and the markets overall aren't really trending in any direction, I think it does mean that you have to stick to fundamentals, look for good quality businesses, look for earnings momentum and look for the companies that are actually growing and doing better in this environment rather than necessarily trying to take big bets on any particular sector um, or factor or anything like that. Can I throw you a question without notice, only because I know that we'll see some headlines talk about the Santa rally since we've started December, right? I mean, is it something that you play into? Is it something that, that will happen again this year, do you think? So I think it's going to be a little bit harder this year, simply because we effectively had a Santa rally a month early. So, I mean, from, from that perspective, I mean, October was very weak, November was very strong. And so given what, what we're coming off from November, I think it is going to be hard to really have a strong rally in, in December. Um, I mean, but never say never. I mean, it's very possible we do continue to rally and just eke out small gains, but I don't think we're going to be seeing big 10% moves or anything like that over the course of the next month. Omkar Joshi there from Opal Capital Management. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.